Hello, thank you for listening to this episode of Psyche Design. And today I'm going to be discussing the difference between self-development and ego development. Now, if you have been around my channel for a while, you know that one of the main reasons why I'm super interested in personality types is because it is an amazing tool for self-growth. Now, if you're familiar with personality type, and the discourse around it, you probably have heard the criticisms of how people do not like to feel like they're being put into a box. And a lot of times, if you, you know, just do a quick Google search for the personality types and join some forums and see how people are talking about it, it's absolutely the case that there are people out there that use it to keep themselves stuck, to put other people into a box and to stereotype others. Now, a lot of people in the personality type community, I think that because we know how powerful this tool is, um, the defense tends to be like, well, no, personality type doesn't put people in a box. You don't understand if you think that that's what it does. And I agree with that, but I also feel as though there are people that use it to put themselves in a box. It might not be the intended tool. It might not be a very useful way to use personality. I would say that um, if you look at what experts are talking about in this space, people that really love the tool, people that have been doing this for a long time, people that are super inspired by Carl Jung and have looked at the philosophies of what even uh, created this theory and how it came to be and digging deeper into the principles behind all of this stuff. The consensus is, you know, that you should not be using personality type to stereotype other people or as a shortcut for your growth, like at all. And, you know, tools are, tools obviously have to be helpful. If it's a tool, it's got to be helpful. I mean, that's, that, that part's obvious, but the shortcut thing, I want to talk just a little bit about the shortcut thing before I move on to the deeper reason behind this episode is that I believe that in our culture, in our very uh, Western left brain patriarchal culture. Um, we all are looking for shortcuts. We all want uh, something, some sort of machine, some tool, some theory, whatever, to make things so easy so that we don't have to do the hard work of um getting from point A to point B, like regardless, that's just a theme that I, that I see. And um, uh, personal growth uh, is a personal journey, right? It's yourself. So nobody can do that for you. No tool is ever going to be good enough where you're going to be able to find a shortcut that can uh, make you like basically a get out of jail free card for all of the 
uh, self-development journey that you need to go on. And um, the reality is, is that if you want the benefits of a secure sense of self, self-love, self-trust, a self-care routine, um, improving your relationships with others, if you want the benefits of essentially raising your consciousness, you cannot um, completely give your power away to another system, another leader, a guru, um, even, even the scientific method itself. You cannot give all of that power away and, you know, just completely depend on it. And the self-growth journey involves you getting real with yourself. It involves hard work and discipline and it's not linear. It, there are layers and layers and layers of the pieces of yourself that you get to unravel. So my point in saying all of this is that, yes, I believe that the 16 personality types in, is an amazing tool for self-growth. Although I do think that a lot of people use it to sort of shortcut their self-growth. And when they do that, they're essentially developing their ego rather than developing their self. And I don't know if it's because our culture just, I don't know if it's because we're so overworked in other areas that we just don't want to put in hard work, or maybe we don't really quite see the value of self-understanding. And so we expect it to come easily or I'm not quite sure what it is. But there's something about the ego and the way that our preferred style of consciousness grabs a hold of us so strongly that it essentially just wants to be validated. So whatever your dominant function is, um, it has such a strong hold on you. And the journey of your self-discovery process or the individuation process, as Carl Jung talks about it, you're basically taming this monster and learning to live with it and not just accepting it, but you're almost kind of merging with it. And there is this sort of shadowy monster within all of us. The way I would answer, the way I think of it is, you know, the age-old question of, of are humans inherently good or bad? In my opinion, the answer is both. We have the potential for good and bad. We have the potential for a, a whole bunch of different dichotomies within us. We're essentially polarizing the opposite sides of the psyche at all times. And in my opinion, that's kind of the game of life in general. How do we achieve balance between two polarities it happens in the micro level it happens in the macro level it happens in our inner worlds of our introverted worlds it also happens in the external extroverted world and all of the polarities within you um they all are at these different dials and um, the game of life for you to become a more, uh, the, a more stable version of yourself is to be able to navigate those 
different polarities. I'm not even saying that you have to become this super gray, bland version of yourself where you're just 50-50 on everything. It is learning to navigate the waves and learning to um, embrace all of the different polarities and um, alchemizing them as needed. So if you're in a situation and there is something that's lacking, how could you sort of embody that as you're moving through it? So on the personality level, that would be if you are completely focused on the feeling side of things, you might be missing out something very big in the thinking side of things. And both are equally, equally valid uh, approaches to truth and for understanding information. But if you are only looking at one side of the picture, then you're probably not seeing reality clearly. You're probably not judging it clearly because you're not even seeing, you're not even seeing the whole picture. You're assuming about the other side. And so it's this dance. It's this back and forth of the feeling and the thinking and the sensing and the intuiting and the inner world and the outer world. It's like a dance because at the end of the day, if you're not seeing something clearly and if you're not judging something accurately, it is going to, the main person that it's going to impact is you above, above all else. So I'm not even preaching this in the sense of like, society needs to be more feely or, or anything like that from a personal perspective, although that is something that I think. Um, the, the reality is if you are looking at a situation and only seeing 50% of it, then you're basically going in blind and you could get smacked in the face by the other side that you weren't accounting for. And that's on you. And that's what this individuation process is and understanding your personality is um, being more aware of the full picture of yourself and the full picture of life itself because you are a microcosm of life itself. You are a microcosm of the creator. Whoever created you, we, we are created in the creator's image. That's just, you know, my sort of opinion. I'm not trying to preach any specific um, doctrine for you, but, you know, this is a very Jungian idea of us being a microcosm and the ancient idea of as above, so below. Same goes with extroversion and introversion, our inner worlds and our outer worlds. So um, essentially... the spark like we all want to become the most grand versions of ourselves and many of us go about this in ways that are essentially just validating our ego and we are asleep to our true nature and the true nature of life itself and so um, when Carl Jung originally discussed the eight cognitive functions, the idea was that each of these functions is 
your psyche is overly relying on one way of processing information. And um, so ego development, what I really want to talk about in this episode is the difference between ego development and self-development. Self-development, you could think of that as synonymous as Carl Jung's individuation process. And what I was talking about earlier is that sort of dance, that back and forth. Um, Ego development, I think that as self-development in general, um, as a topic, self-growth is becoming more popular um, on Instagram, on YouTube. It's just more of a uh, talking point these days. I believe that people are avoiding the real work of true self-development capital S self, as in the entire contents, contents of your psyche. And instead, they are working on their egos. So what does it mean to work on your ego and to have ego development? That would be essentially just your dominant function, basically having a dictatorship over your entire psyche. Whereas becoming the self an individuated self would be all of the contents of your psyche working together in harmony as um, a large organization with many parts. It is not even necessarily that you have, you don't have to give up your talents or your gifts in order to do this. As I said before, you are not becoming some cookie cutter, gray, 50-50, boring ass person it's just balancing everything out. How can you allow your dominant function to operate as more of a transformational leader that is allowing the contents of your psyche to speak and be heard? Even if your dominant function still has the final say because it's the strongest aspect of your consciousness that in my opinion, you chose that dominant function for a reason whenever you incarnated in this life because your goals and your purpose fits very strongly with that. Um, our, um, our skills and our talents are not directly, there's not a direct causation between personality and skills and talents, but there is some sort of association there where we might be drawn to develop certain talents and skills based on our personality type. So I believe that we choose this type pattern in order to help us fulfill our purpose. And so we're not, we're not going to abandon our dominant function. We're going to transform our relationship with it. And that is self-development, capital S, self Whereas ego development is your dominant function's way of basically playing whack-a-mole with all of the other functions, trying to get it to shut the fuck up, for lack of a better term. Your dominant function would be acting as a dictator in your consciousness. Anything that does not align 100% with your dominant function has no room to speak and absolutely cannot be heard by your dominant function. 
And this is where people will seek advice that validates their dominant function. They will seek mentors that validate their dominant function. And they are unable to even process the existence of people who operate things, operate differently, or people who see things differently or judge the world differently. And for someone who is developing their ego and not yourself, you're not allowing other contents of your consciousness or of the psyche to emerge. Or if you are walking the path of self-development, let me, let me demonstrate this for a second. You're going to meet people who are a different type than you. And beyond type, you're going to meet people with a different worldview than you and different core values. So the worldview and values, no matter what type you are, is going to spur something in you if your dominant function cares about it. And how is your dominant function going to engage with that? Um, so now talking just about type, because I, I just, I wanted to clarify that worldview and values is like on a completely different level and playing field. Any type can have any worldview and value. Um, but even just type, even type itself, there is the metaphor. Um, I do not recall right now um, the origin of this, but I, I think it's kind of just an ancient story where um, there the lights are off and there's an elephant in the room. Someone holds the trunk, someone holds the legs, someone touches the ear, someone is touching the body of the elephant, and they all the room is dark. They do not know what they see. And if they were all uh, to come together and explain their experience, they all would think that the other was crazy because it does not match their experience. And that elephant is essentially life itself and also our self in the, in the microcosm in the sense that if your ego reacts by basically saying you're crazy, your experience doesn't exist, I will not hear it because it invalidates mine, as opposed to self-development, which is, huh, I did not have that experience whatsoever. What is the intersection between my experience and yours? That would be more of a self-development because you are allowing other perspectives to be heard. And really it's about being curious about life itself and being curious about yourself. Because, so what I was going to say earlier is, let's say if you're walking the path of self-development, you're going to meet people with different functions in, different in a different type than you. And what happens is you're going to be viewing the same exact situation and both of you are going to have perceived completely different things about the situation. And you might have a completely different takeaway from the situation. Um, and if you were to try and talk about it, you would have wires crossing. This is something that I talk about a lot. I like to refer to it as wires crossing because that's basically how the um, how conversations can feel sometimes. Um, is you feel like 
you don't even exist in the same plane. And that's because you essentially do. Uh, you essentially don't exist in the same plane because if you think of your consciousness as the elements of your psyche, and if you are not conscious of what another person is conscious of, and they're not conscious of you, it's a very disorienting feeling. And the only way to get back on the same page is to um, shine a light on the parts of the shadow in you that come up. So if you're going about, you know, your self-development process and you meet those people, what happens is that it's not just that you don't understand where they're coming from. What happens is they trigger a shadow in you. And Jung talks about this a lot and about the concept of projection and how essentially, um, well, the, our psyche seeks to individuate on its own and the shadow seeks to come to light on its own. And one of the main ways that the shadow comes to light is through other people. So if you're constantly attracting a specific situation or um, a specific disagreement or anything like that, um, where someone is just being very, very confusing to you, um, it, and then it's triggering this sort of uncomfortable feeling in you. Um, the feeling in you is essentially the shadow that is trying to come to light. And the outer world is a reflection of you, the microcosm. And the events in the outer world can trigger our shadows to come to light. And that is how it triggers our growth. Now, it's on us how we respond to the events in life, the people in life, and also how we respond to ourselves as our shadow is seeking to come to light. And that right there, how we respond to the contents of our psyche attempting to emerge is the difference between ego development and self-development. And are you on the individuation path um, or not? And because you either can learn from the experience and shine a light on new um, parts of you that you were not aware of, you're essentially growing your consciousness from the situation. Doesn't matter if you were right or wrong, if you were the victim, if you were the savior, if you were the aggressor, it does not matter what role you played. And it doesn't matter if, if you're good or bad or any of that. What matters in, in this sort of situation is, are you allowing the situations that you encounter to reveal something about your consciousness to you? Because if not, what you're doing is your ego is doubling down on itself and you are in denial of the other person's reality and you're therefore in denial of your own reality. And if you do not let anything in, if you, you have extreme walls up around your ego and anything that threatens it um, makes that wall like stronger, um, 
and you like just choose to not hear it whatsoever, then you're actually getting weaker. You might feel like you're getting stronger, but you are fragmenting yourself from the other person that you're in the miscommunication with. And you're also fragmenting yourself from yourself. And that's kind of how denial works. And that's how the ego can keep you in denial. Because the ego wants to feel super powerful just as itself. But in order to transcend that and to become um, the, the most conscious version of yourself or your higher self, you essentially have to allow your ego to realize that there are other types of consciousness out there and just how expansive um, life itself is and also your own mind and your own consciousness. So the path of ego development would be essentially um, every time you reach a bump in the road, you validate your ego and your fears um, 100% of the time, just as a rule of thumb, you close yourself off to other opinions or experiences that seemingly invalidate your ego or your dominant function in this case. You project your shadows onto everybody that you see. So if you meet someone different than you who operates differently than you, then you're going to um, not really know how to place them because you don't have the personal psychic experience of how they are consciously perceiving life. Um, so another way to talk about this is that essentially the more familiar you are with all eight cognitive functions and also like you, um, the different corners of your psyche, the strongest parts, the weakest parts, the middle parts, the more you get familiar with the layout of your psyche and you understand it, then you can understand how somebody else's behavior makes you feel and you can um, recognize the parts of your psyche that are in mirror to that. And because we're all mirroring each other all the time. And um, I want to word this. Um, really, the more self-aware you are, the more aware you are of others, the more you're able to comprehend others. And the, the more walls up you have to other people, the more walls up you have to yourself, the more fragmented you are from yourself. Because to be able to empathize and to be able to love another person is to be able to accept their consciousness and their being as an extension of you or as a part of you. And that doesn't mean you have to be responsible for them, but it does mean that you can recognize the way that even if you were to have intense boundaries and you just don't want this person in your life at all, at the very least, you could recognize their humanity and 
you can reflect on what your response to their humanity is. What does it bring up in you? What shadows come up in you? So essentially, um, ego development is fragmentation. It is fragmenting your psyche into a bunch of little pieces. It is a tyrannical dominant function who is unable to speak to or hear any of the other functions that exists in your psyche. Um, you probably only talk to people who um, are similar types to you or are at least a type that your dominant function can uh, get along with better, although that really does depend. A lot of, um, I guess, I'm not being super clear right now about my criticisms about ego development, which I don't think is that important because really I'm making a vague statement about how um, because self-growth and all of that sort of stuff is becoming so popular, I think that people are watering it down and people aren't making this distinction clearly. And there are definitely a lot of people that are self-proclaimed self-help gurus that they are not aware of their shadow whatsoever. They have one ideology, one understanding of this is the way that people should be. And they're essentially trying to um, validate their ego along the process of giving advice they are telling you what to do, how to be, and tips for how to change your mindset in certain ways that would be more favorable to them. And these sorts of people that are doing ego development work, they attract people with similar egos to them. And so it's a whole like-minded sort of group where you're all validating each other's egos. Now, with the personality types, you could see that there tends to be like NF sort of groups, NT groups, SP groups, just there are little clusters of similar types that can get together and validate each other's ego. So for example, um, the whole idea of facts don't care about your feelings is a very thinker dominated mentality. And these there's all these online communities of like, I think like the red pill sort of men um, where they basically are like um, F feelings and they're all thinkers and they're all completely invalidating this emotional experience and they're validating each other's logical ego. I'm not, and to the point where they're not being logical. Cause the thing is, is that, um, if you're unable to see the other side of the coin at all, then you're not right because truth exists in the balance. You can't be right if you're seeing 50% of the picture. You can still be a thinker and make all of your decisions primarily based on your thinking mode, mode but if you are completely unaware of your emotions or your ability to pick up the emotions in others, then you're missing something and vice versa. So 
There's also a lot of NFs that cluster around a lot of spiritual self-help these days where it's very much like, um, uh, there's a lot of like toxic intuition where people are talking about creating your own reality and they are completely disregarding the way that class plays a role and how people are able to create their reality. They're completely disregarding the ways that um, uh, trauma can influence someone in their physical, um, if they have a literal experience of something or um, how much, how many resources they have. So that, that's one thing. And then, you know, toxic feeling would be like toxic positivity to where they're so unable to be aware of their own judgments about themselves and about others. I saw something today where someone was posting that um, you feel where your attention goes. And if you're attention is on happy thoughts then you'll be happy and if your attention is on sad thoughts then you'll be sad and in my opinion that is a gross oversimplification of how emotions work um if you just deny any negative emotion and think that that means you're not feeling it then you're basically just shoving it under the rug and um, and into the shadow and you are in denial essentially so Anyway, that's just sort of to give you an overview of the way that everywhere in our culture, there is ego development happening from all 16 of the types where there are gurus telling you to be like me and this is how I did it and this is the way it should be. And it's attracting all these like-minded people underneath it. And then um, that's what halts growth, in my opinion. This sort of behavior is what halts growth. And we're so divided um, in our society today. And I personally believe that understanding the way this tool works um, can help us alleviate that because we can start having the skills of how do we allow the um, unconscious to come to light whenever it chooses to emerge? How can we rely on those bumps in the roads and our interactions with people that... Um, uh, trigger something in us or something emerges in us, be it a feeling or a thought, what does their behavior say about us? What does their opinion say about us? What do I think about that? And what does that mean? And if we're afraid to look within, then these areas of our um, psyche can become essentially dusty or moldy for lack of a better word, there are these areas that we just, we let it rot. And so when you become overly in denial over and over again, and you're building these walls between you and others, and then within yourself, then it allows these certain um, aspects of your psyche to rot. And um, then when that happens, then the shadow when it does come to light is going to be, it's going to slap you in the face way harder, essentially. So I hope that kind of makes sense of the difference of how a dominant function that is validating its ego, it, you might feel like you're growing, you might feel like you're getting bigger and stronger, 
but it's really relying on those walls that you built to make you feel bigger and stronger. Whereas to actually be this expansive, to be your most expansive self, it feels extremely light. It doesn't feel like you're puffing up your chest. There are not, there's not a brick wall in between you and another or um, in between yourselves. It instead is this ability to move through um, these obstacles and your psyche becomes stronger. Your awareness becomes stronger. You are able to maintain empathy even in situations in which you um, really do feel like the victim or you really don't feel heard. You're able to maintain this baseline understanding of what is going on. So anyway, um, I really opened up a huge can of worms here. Um, but I'm very interested in ego and self-development and the difference between that and also how all of the 16 types navigate that self-development journey. So as always, thank you for listening. If you have any um, specific ideas of things that you'd like me to get into more, uh, please leave me a comment and let me know. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day.